makes, uh, seems to make the whole world different when the sun is shining, particularly for those of us who are um, born in England. We just, uh, for those of you from other countries that are warmer, you must be even more pleased to see some sunshine at last. So, so it's, uh, it's great. But happy Easter wherever you come from. If you're visiting us this morning, hope you feel uh, really at home and uh, welcome with us. You might have questions about some of the songs we've sung or anything that, that I might um, say uh, in this talk now. If you do, then just grab someone that you think might know the answer and, uh, and feel free to ask questions. We, we like questions. So um, that's good. I want, I want to talk a little bit about a lady called Mary, Mary Magdalene. So I'm going to read a passage uh, from John's uh, story of Jesus, his account of Jesus' uh, life. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a person who brings a Bible, it's in John chapter 20. going to read uh, a bit about her story. It's uh, towards the end uh, in the garden after Jesus' crucifixion. And then just talk about her for a little while and see Easter through her eyes in particular. So John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, that's what we call now Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabone, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what she had said, uh, that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Well, Mary uh, Magdalene, Magdalene wasn't her surname, funny enough. Magdalene's a little village uh, beside the edge of Galilee. You can still there, go there and have a look at it. And she was a lady, uh, we might say nowadays, she was a lady of independent wealth. She was, she was sort of from the more upper cl- middle and upper classes. She, she uh, di- wasn't dependent on a husband. We're not even sure if she had a husband. She had independent wealth and she was the most prominent of a number actually of 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 moneyed ladies who kind of sponsored Jesus's preaching tours he used to say sometimes well if you join me uh, I've got nowhere to lay my head even the foxes have got a hole but but I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight he traveled round uh, preaching and teaching uh, about the kingdom of God that was coming he even demonstrated it by healing people and and he was dependent actually on on these ladies that who who sponsored his trips if you like that's the language we would use nowadays so she was one of those uh, ladies she was an upper class lady she would have been well presented but appearances are deceptive we, we know that, don't you? Don't we? You know, in life, you can look at people. I used to work in a bank. I hated it, but I used to work in a bank. And uh, I was amazed. I, I used to think naively before I went uh, to work, though, I used to think that people with money would be very happy. I know it's stupid, but actually I found some of them were really miserable people. <laughs> and not, not all. You can be poor and miserable as well. You know, that's an option. But, but money doesn't equal wealth. And she was a lady where appearances were very, very deceptive. And actually, uh, the Bible says that it was actually her interaction with Jesus that turned her life around. She'd been a very emotionally and spiritually troubled lady. That's what the Gospels uh, say. We won't look up all the verses this morning. We'll just tell the story. And, and Jesus had relieved her of, 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 uh, of forces that were just beyond her understanding and which she couldn't control. You know, people, hello. Yeah, it's me. It's my grandson. Uh, and people, people, you want to take him? Ah, okay, okay. He likes to participate. He actually participated in the offering this morning. He put a dirty tissue in. So that is quite nice. So all gifts gratefully received. So, anyway, Jesus, Jesus managed to relieve her of these evil forces that seem to be troubling her. People sometimes say, you know, pull yourself together. But some of us find ourselves troubled by things that we can't pull ourselves together from. They need sort of pulling out from us. And she, she was relieved of that, the trouble, the spirits that, that troubled her. And she was so grateful that she became a sponsor of Jesus. And, and she would contribute and help make ends meet. It was the greatest day in her life when she met him. And it was the worst day in her life when he died. That was just how it is. And we all have great days and we all have pretty awful days as well that's the nature of life but her greatest day I don't know what yours is but her greatest day was the day she met Jesus because everything in her head in her spirit changed around somehow I don't know if she could even understand it but after that she followed him around and listened to his teaching and sort of served his needs out of gratitude Uh, Jesus had a saying that the person loves the most who's been forgiven the most and I think that's true in life, isn't it? 
the, the people that have been through the most trouble really appreciate the good things when they happen. And, and that's how it was for her, in particular in relation to Jesus. Now, we, we've got a picture, and this is a Good Friday kind of picture. I, I like art, so it's doesn't come up the best on the screen. This is by a guy called Giotti. Those people that like art will like this. Those who don't, I don't care really, but I like it. And, and, and he painted this about 700 years or so into plaster on a chapel in, uh, in somewhere in Italy. I can't remember where now. And uh, so it's 700 years old. So he's, uh, we're looking back on him. He was looking back on the cross. This is his picture of uh, some of the ladies. You can see them there uh, on the left at, at at the, uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus. I don't know how you imagine it, but I bet it's not like that. But anyway, that's what it was when he painted this in about 1300, 1303, 1305, something like that. So it's a long time ago. And uh, I, thought, I thought I did it for me, really, to be quite honest. But there we are. You can look at it. That's, and you can see uh, what Mary Magdalene would be one of those ladies. The gospel says she was near by the cross. She was near the cross. She's standing with a handful of women there, including Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, who'd be the lady in the, in the bright blue dress there. Uh, only a few people stayed with Jesus at the cross. Most of these followers, so-called, had legged it for fear of uh, being caught up in the violence themselves. They'd, they'd run away, but, but uh, only John stayed near the, the, uh, the, Jesus' mum, uh, and was loyally there at the cross. The rest had run, and, and she would have been there watching and close enough to listen. She was a courageous lady, and she, and she sees him, I don't know if you can imagine it in your mind, she sees him nailed to the cross. And, and the remarkable thing that those who were there say uh, talked about was the fact that he wasn't shouting and screaming, which would be the natural thing. He wasn't cursing the people that were, were doing it. It was remarked upon. The Apostle Peter later, hearing the stories of it, he, he remembered a verse in the Old Testament that said, it was just like a sheep going to be sheared. You know, sheep make an awful noise most of the time, but when they're being sheared, they, they, they're absolutely quiet. They don't say anything. And he said, as a sheep before his shearers was dumb, so Jesus didn't open his mouth. Uh, actually, a prophet had written that about 600 years before the time of Jesus. And Peter said, hey, that's just like Jesus. He didn't say anything. He wasn't shouting. He wasn't screaming. In fact, th then she would have heard him eventually when he spoke. This is the amazing thing he said. He said, Father, forgive them. Now, I, I, I don't know what, if you were going through agonies, I think it would be, Father, could you kill them? But, but <laughs> such a different such a different response from Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't, they don't know what they do. They, they're, they're crucifying me, but they don't know, so forgive them. That's amazingly gracious words, isn't it? And when I, when I say gracious, I mean they came freely to people who didn't deserve them. Father, forgive them. That's the kind of thing Jesus still likes to say, by the way. And, that, and Mary, looking on at this, would have, would have seen someone climb up a, a ladder with a, with a crude sort of poster. That it was the done thing to put the charge up on top of the cross and nail, nail it there. You can, you can see he's done some sort of impression of that. And, uh, and, and the people that condemned him to die insisted that they put Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, 
And the Jewish leaders didn't like that. They wanted, no, he's only claiming to be king. But out of sheer awkwardness, the Romans said, no, I've written it, and that's how it stays. She would have seen that banged to the cross. She would have heard the officials and the priests going, uh, walking past and, and just yelling abuse. Just abusing him. Save yourself then. You said you could rebuild things in three days. How about starting with yourself? Come down from the cross, then we'll believe you. That kind of thing was what went on at an execution. They would have heard all of that insulting. They would have seen his clothes being just divvied up between the rough Roman soldiers that crucified him. Except the cloak, which was a quite a good garment, so they, they sort of drew lots for it, gambled a bit, Who, who's going to win the, the seamless cloak? She would have seen all of that. It must have been amazing. And then she hears, somehow in the midst of this, Jesus struggling for life, but, but saying to the thief beside him, the two thieves, one thief's insulting Jesus, the other one basically says, hey, give him a break. We at least deserve to be here. This guy's done nothing wrong. And then somehow in his last moments, not having been a follower of Jesus, not having had any kind of belief, somehow he sees in Jesus and the way, the way he offers forgiveness, the way he keeps quiet, that somehow in, in the midst of horrific suffering, his dignity, he gets a sort of like a light bulb moment. And, and he realizes this Jesus is not an ordinary man. And even though he's dying, he says to Jesus, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom... When you come as king, not if, but when you come as king, don't forget me. It's amazing, amazing moment, isn't it? This is sort of like a deathbed, not on a bed, but a death, death scene. And, and he's saying, he has this light bulb moment. It's great if you have one of those. A light bulb moment when you think, wow, Jesus is just more than just a, a, a teacher, more than just a guy on a cross. Jesus, remember, and Jesus says, says to him, and Mary would have heard him saying, today... You'll be with me in paradise. That's a, that's a very reassuring thing if you're on your deathbed. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is, a, a, I think it's an Iranian uh, word, a Persian word for, for, for heaven. It's literally a walled garden in the presence of God. Sort of looking back to, to the, the, the origin stories, the garden, uh, perfect garden with the presence of God. Today, you'll be in the perfect place, in a perfect garden with God amazing thing and, and she would have seen later on the soldier lifting a stick with some uh, wine vinegar on it which I don't really fancy myself but anyway not quite sure what the point of that was and, and it might maybe moisture I don't know everything had gone dark by that time uh, and, and then she hears Jesus cry out my God my God why have you forsaken me that's what he felt like that's what he felt. He's quoting a psalm. Psalms are really honest. They're like, they're like soul music. Really honest. God, why, why are you so far away? What, why does it feel like I've been abandoned? And then a little bit later, Jesus cried out, funnily enough, as he was dying, it's strange because he said it in a loud voice, it is finished. Literally, I've done it. It's completed. It was a phrase used when you pay a bill, you know, paid in full. I've done it completed finished and then he said father into your hands i commit my spirit and died she'd have been there for all of that 
And then, and then the horrible, gory bit where they later on, the two thieves that they've uh, they're taking too much time for a Roman to die, so they break their legs so they can no longer push up to breathe and, and basically suffocate. And they just seen that, and it comes to Jesus, realizes he's already dead, and just puncture his side, side and, and clear liquid comes out, which is all to do with the, the serum separating from the blood in the, in the bottom of his lungs. He's, he's died. He's gone already. And, and she follows a, a guy called uh, Joseph, asks for the body because he's already prepared his own tomb. He's a rich guy. They put the body of Jesus in it because it's coming up for the Jewish Sabbath. They roll the, door, the uh, stone along the slot and uh, uh, she follows. She sees what's happened and, and she goes back because tomorrow's the Sabbath. So it's the Friday's the first day. Saturday's the Jewish Sabbath. And then early uh, on the third day, on the Sunday morning, we see her again. And we've got another Giotto because it pleases me. <laughs> and that's his impression of, of, uh, of Jesus uh, in the garden, the story we've just read together there. She comes to the tomb with spices, which is strange, but it was their cultural to d- tradition both to, to add some fragrance and to on- honor the memory of the loved one that's passed away. And when she gets there, she sees the stone removed from the tomb entrance. And the word removed in the, in the Greek language is a, is a hefty word. It's not sort of rolled back a bit. It's sort of chucked out. It's removed from where it was. It's not in the groove that it would have rolled along. It's separate from that. And she thinks, man, what's happened? It's gone. It's, it's been removed. And she, she panics, basically. She assumes that in some way the tomb's been raided. And she just rushes off back, reports the news. And, and, and then we find her later back at the tomb, weeping loudly, wailing and sobbing. She's a lady in the midst of grief. Not only has he died, but now she can't even grieve over the body and prepare it for burial in the customary way. And then, and then she bends down and looks in it and gets the fright of her life. Because there's two figures in there that sort of weren't there before, which is a bit weird. Uh, and they ask this question, woman, why are you crying? Which seems a really strange question, doesn't it? <laughs> because I'm grieving. You know, woman, why, why are you crying? They're questioning her grief. Uh, and then they come up with a classic question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jim made the point earlier on that you can, you can go to many religious tombs and memorials of people. There isn't one for Jesus. There's, there's just... There's, there's a tomb somewhere in Jerusalem that they say is the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre. Whether it is or not, no one really knows. There's a garden tomb as well, so there's a couple on offer. Places of sort of pilgrimage, but they're, they're empty. They're empty. And then the third question the angel asks is, didn't Jesus say this will happen? Don't you remember him talking about this? But of course, you don't compute that when someone says, oh, I'm going to die, but I'll rise again on the third day. It's not something, it's just not what happens. And she's so wrapped up in grief and confusion that she, do, she doesn't even recognize him. Which I, could, I can quite understand that, really, because it's not what you're expecting. He's, he's dead, the body's vanished, she's in the midst of grief, she's mourning, she's weeping, she's sobbing, until she suddenly heard, hears this guy, the, the gardener, she assumes he's the sort of guy doing the grass or whatever, suddenly, suddenly he just says her name in Aramaic. Which is his language, not, not, not the Greek language. Aramaic. 
Mary. And there's something in the, you know, you know I don't know if you got, you know, if, if my mum, my mum's uh, dying, she's with God now, but if, if, my, if my mum was here and said my name, I, I would know it was her. You know, there's something about your loved one saying your name that there's a certain way, and there's a sort of, there's a nice tender way of saying it, there's a I'm being told off way of saying it. You know, Richard, oh, I'm in trouble. There's a, you, you just know when there's someone you're close to, you, you just even the way they say it, you think, oh, it's him. And that's the way she says it to him. Maybe it was the way he spoke to her when he delivered her from the things that troubled her. I don't know. I just don't know. But there's something about hearing his name and she suddenly, I recognize him. And so what, what, what had been the worst day turns again into the best day. And she wants to, she, she then wants to uh, sort of not let him go. She's clinging on like a limpet. And I can imagine Jesus trying to sort of peel her off. <laughs> Don't hold on to me, woman. I, I'm, 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 got, I'm going back to see the father. And actually now he's your father. Now he can be your God and your father. See, we could have, we could have spent quite a lot of time this morning. I, I've done it before. You, you could look at the gospel accounts and argue that Jesus really was dead because there really was a separation of the blood and water and blah, 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 blah. And he, and he really wasn't nicked from the tomb because, because why would you die for something if you knew it was a fraud? We could have done all of that talk at great length. And it's not a bad one. Maybe I'll do it next year. Who knows? But, but the truth is there's nothing like Jesus coming to you and having a light bulb moment. There really isn't. So, so the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is entirely reasonable and can be argued for, but in the end, it's a light bulb moment. It's a moment where God comes to you and says, hey, by the way, I'm here. This is Jesus. Are you listening? It's that kind of moment. By the way, if you're ever going to write a false story of, of a God that rose again, you would never have a load of women being the first, first witnesses not nowadays, and not being sexist, in that culture. Because in that culture, women were not allowed even to testify in court. So if you were writing a, a sort of fraudulent claim to resurrection, you just wouldn't have written it like this. It's, it's doesn't, wouldn't have held water. But that's Easter Sunday story. There's, there's Mary coming, trying to grab hold of Jesus, and Jesus is vamoosing out, out, of, the, uh, out of the side of the picture. He's saying, no, don't, don't keep hold of me, I'm, I'm off, but I'll come back again. Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is, is just a great day. And I, I just want to just, for a couple of minutes, just mention quickly, almost list some reasons why today is a great day. Here's the first one. If Easter Sunday is true, it's great because the grave is conquered. Which gives us hope in the face of our mortality. I don't know, most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. But I, 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 three people I've known that have died in the last couple of months. So I've been doing funerals and attending funerals. And uh, I found this quote by a guy called Tim Keller. Why is it so hard to face your own death or the death of loved ones? It's so hard because we think this broken world is the only world we're ever going to have. But... If Jesus is risen, then your future is so much more beautiful and so much more certain than that. 
That's a good quote. Easter Sunday means the grave is conquered and we have hope in the face of our own mortality or the mortality of our loved ones. Secondly, forgiveness is available. Forgiveness is available. It's achieved for us in in the cross. The Bible says this, he was punished so you can be pardoned. That's a great deal. He was punished so you can be pardoned. Forgiveness is available. His resurrection is proof that his offering to God, all he suffered was acceptable to God who raised him from the dead. The Bible says things like this, he bore our sins. That's a complicated theology, but it's a really simple sentence, isn't it? He bore our sins. So forgiveness is available. The grave is conquered. Here's the third one. Jesus is who he said he was. He said said to his disciples things like, you call me Lord and Master, and that's right. He let people worship him on occasion. Now, either he's a complete fraud, or he's lost his marbles, or he is who he said he is. The resurrection indicates that Jesus is who he says he is. And that, that leads on to the next corollary of that. The next result of that is this, is our lives will be measured in, our, in terms of our response to him. How, how do we respond to him being who he says he is? If he is Lord, if he is the Christ, if he is God, how, how do we respond to him this Easter Sunday morning? That's a $50 million question. How do we respond to a God who died for us and was raised for us, who is who he says he is? Our lives will be measured by our response to him. And then he said this. It's an amazing thing. He said, he said that his father can be our father. That, that what's offered in Jesus Christ is having God as your father. That all the natural objections to that are taken out of the way by the work of Jesus. That's why Easter Sunday is so wonderful. So I don't know what your response is, but I, I reckon Mary's response is a pretty good one. She did two things. Number one, she grabbed him <laughs> as quick as she could. She grabbed hold of Jesus. And secondly, she went around telling everybody else the good news. I've seen the Lord. I've actually seen him. I've met him. I know him. Would you like to would you come? Let me show you him. They're two great responses. So, so I want to ask us this morning, if, if, um, whether for the first time or the nth time, grab Jesus. If you're not sure whether you've trusted in him, if you're not sure whether what your future is beyond this short, uncertain little life, if you're not sure, grab hold of him. It's only through him that death is conquered. It's only through him that forgiveness is available. Grab hold of him and say, I want God to be my father. Grab hold of him and say, I want my sins to be forgiven. Thank you that you died for me. I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. You are Lord and God. And I want to make you my Lord and my God. And when you've grabbed hold of him, if you've already grabbed hold of him and you're a bit bit distant, grab hold of him again and say sorry. And then go and tell some others like Mary did, skedaddle and say, hey, I met him once. This is how he's changed my life. We're going to, thank you very much. We're going to pray. And uh, Jane, I wonder if we could just sing something and then the kids will be back with us before too long, I'm sure. Thanks ever so much. If the band could come back.
Let's pray together, shall we?